Good morning and happy Easter. We are still in the octave of Easter. Every day we celebrate uh, Easter as if it was Easter Sunday because it's such a, a, you know, a, a huge event for the life of the church, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Incidentally, yesterday to celebrate Easter, I went to see my nephews play baseball at Grand Park. If you are a parent or grandparent that go out there, either you're gluttons for punishment or you're saints. Because thank God for celibacy. It was hot. Oh my goodness. And it was, I got a sunburn on my neck. So if I don't move, it's because of that. But on today, we celebrate St. Thomas. We, we, we think about St. Thomas the Apostle on this second Sunday of Easter, but also we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday on this day. St. Thomas the Apostle, if he lived, say, for example, in Hollywood today, or in New York City today, they wouldn't say emphatically that he needs a publicist. I mean, even though he gives voice to one of the most profound statements of faith in the New Testament, my Lord and my God, the first thing that comes to mind for most of us on hearing his name is doubting. Doubting Thomas. Not fair. He needs a publicist. We forget his courageous response when Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem and most certainly death. Let us go with him and die with him, Thomas said. His great act of faith in Jesus has been overshadowed by his refusal to believe. Incidentally, it's not just doubting. He refuses to believe. He didn't believe the other apostles who proclaimed the good news that they had seen the Lord. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Yikes. St. Thomas rejects their testimony and boldly demands a sign. Oh yes, for this mistake he also needs a publicist. Even so, t- doubters like Thomas are great teachers often if they prompt us to examine our faith and why we believe. And he imparts three important lessons on us about faith. First, St. Thomas reminds us that faith does not exclude doubt and questions. I tell repenting sinners in the confessional that have doubts that some of the greatest saints in the church had questions that they sought to remedy through uh, the study of scripture and prayer and theology. Most people have faith, uh, of, of faith have moments when we wonder where God is. Is he truly with us in life? Sometimes God may seem distant and unresponsive as we face darkness, illness, family tragedy, helplessness, and especially when someone is dying, for example, or any other life trauma. Faith is not always clear and unchallenged, yet we are asked to believe in the midst of questions and uncertainties that often surround us. It's not faith's job to lead us to certitude, or it wouldn't be faith. Rather, we pray for trust in God's word. We identify with the Father in the Gospels who prays with great honesty, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Second, Thomas reminds us that we receive faith in and through the community of the body of Christ, the church, the mystical body of Christ. Thomas found faith because he returned to the community and trusted even to show up the following Sunday. And ultimately, however, Thomas testifies to the fact that our faith 
must be rooted in our own experience of God, in a personal acceptance, an encounter, and a commitment to the God of the universe. We cannot simply believe because somebody else believes. Our faith must be founded in our deepest convictions. And at times, we rely on the faith of others to support us, such as the stories of the saints that sustain us. But others cannot believe for us. We have to say our own personal yes to the invitation of faith given to us by God himself. And thirdly, St. Thomas reminds us that faith isn't just an assent to doctrines and propositions of faith. If we think about it, St. Thomas had no creed to accept because it didn't exist yet. In fact, the apostles, uh, the, the, the apostles, St. Thomas didn't know even the apostles' creed that would come later. He had no idea that Jesus had two natures united in one person. He had not figured out the Trinity, three persons and one God, and we can pretty much be certain that he didn't fully comprehend the deep theology that was begun ten days earlier at the Last Supper, when the bread and wine had changed into the body and blood of Christ. St. Thomas would have flunked the most basic quiz on the catechism, but he dramatizes for us that what is vitally important that we believe that doctrine is true, we must first believe in a God revealed to us by Jesus who longs to be in a relationship with each of us. St. Thomas's faith was a personal response, a graced surrender to the risen Lord and Savior, and an acknowledgement that Jesus spoke the truth when he said, I have the power to lay my life down, and I have the power to take it up again. As portrayed in St. John's Gospel, for St. Thomas, a faith for St. Thomas was an expression of loyalty, faithfulness, and allegiance to Jesus as the God of the universe. It was a radical act of trust and a personal commitment to Jesus' invitation to new life. And of course, Jesus responds to Thomas with great mercy, which is why we celebrate St. Thomas on Divine Mercy Sunday. Thomas reminds us that in the end, we believe because we know that we are loved. We believe in the one who longs to be in relationship with each of us. In those times when we identify with St. Thomas's doubts, we may boldly ask to Jesus to show himself to us. If, like St. Thomas, we find ourselves isolated from the community of faith and envious of faith of others, which seems to be strong and unwavering, we may hesitate to rely on the world of others who try to encourage us to believe then Thomas may assure us in our doubt so we can ask for his intercession. But he also challenges us to deepen our faith, trust, and commitment to Christ, even if we have not seen him. When the doubting and believing St. Thomas teaches us, many, may purify and enrich our own faith. It may also raise questions about how we can best pass on the faith to others, how we catechize and invite people to come to faith themselves. How do we engage their hearts as well as their heads? How do we lead others to encounter Jesus in an intimate way that evokes our, tr our trust in God who loves us unconditionally 
and not simply an adherence or intellectual assent to dogma. The gospel story does not tell us whether Thomas actually put his fingers into Jesus' wounds and touched his side, although there is a wonderful painting by Caravaggio that suggests that he did so awkwardly. But no matter what he did, he experienced the risen Lord face to face, and we come here this morning to experience him again. And this is how he heard the call to faith, and where he found the strength to believe and live out the faith as an apostle, and then later a martyr. So we too are invited to encounter the risen Lord face to face in our Eucharistic celebration. And the scriptures and through the body of Christ, when we serve others, most especially the poor and the needy, Christ is always in our midst, inviting us to touch him and to believe.